This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. On this episode, I talk about a famous Kansas City Chiefs fan who is on the run. I marvel at a teen who managed to stay off the grid for 75 days. I read a story about new thinking regarding the Las Vegas massacre shooter, and I cover a whole bunch of other stuff, including a new country unfound will be visiting. I'm Ed Dunsell, and this is Unfound Live for April 3rd, 2023. I know, I know, I'm late. Oh, the scrambling I did the last uh, couple minutes. <laughs> oh, don't worry, I'm going to tell you what they were. Don't, I'm not going to leave it to be a mystery. Why is it like two minutes uh, late coming into the live show tonight? Um, I will tell you uh, because I know it's rare that I'm late, but I was tonight and uh, – you know, you all don't deserve to, you know, it's like, well, hey, we're here at nine o'clock. Where is Ed? It's very rude of me, and I apologize. I hope everybody's doing well. This is the live show. All the true crime news that is fit to podcast. And, uh, of course, we do this every week uh, for all you YouTube people who take the time to tune in when it is actually live. I appreciate that. 9 p.m. Eastern uh, in the United States, wherever you live, it will vary. But uh, before I get started, I want to remind everybody to give this video a thumbs up, like the channel, subscribe to the channel. Maybe you want to join and uh, help us out here. And um, that is something uh, – I'm going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, but uh, you can certainly support what we do here by hitting the Join button. If you're watching on your phone, you'll have to go to a regular computer to do this. There's so many apps for YouTube on phones that it doesn't seem the Join button appears, sometimes especially on iPhones, Mac products. So you can do that. Subscribe, like this channel, give it a thumbs up. Give this video a thumbs up as you are taking part. If you're just going to kick kick back and watch tonight, maybe you're going to do a little chatting. Maybe you're going to do a lot of chatting, no matter what that is. Uh, hit the thumbs up button. And also, I talk about it all the time, you can support this channel. Like I said, I'm going to get that into that a little bit more. Later, but patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. 
And as I've told you, I started a new series that came out last week called Found, where I will be going from the tagline is from disappearance to discovery. I will be analyzing solved disappearances. Why do the people go missing? Why did they stay missing for as long as they were missing? And what led to them being discovered? And, of course, we talk about the resolutions. Was it a suicide? Was it murder? Is it still up in the air? I get into all of that in this new series called Found. I think you're going to like it. So far, the people that have listened, both here on YouTube and on Patreon, um, have loved it. It's gotten some nice reviews from the people who can, who are currently signed up. And so I appreciate that. And the next one will be coming out at the end of this month. So think about signing up. The next one will be Elizabeth Smart. So I'm going to analyze how she went missing, why she went missing, all of the things that went on while she was missing, and then what happened, how she was, uh, of course, found, and everything that has gone on since. Some of you are very, very familiar with her, her disappearance, luckily being found alive but i will be analyzing that as i do um the end of this month once again for patreon members five dollars and up and for people who support unfound right here on the youtube channel so who is in here for this april 3rd 2023 live show nephew charles coming to us from colorado charlie what's going on Hello, Everything 23. Ah, uh, you have the flu, Charlie. Wow. Sorry to hear that. Uh, by the way, my dad has gotten COVID again. He's fine. He's at home. He was in the hospital for like 24 hours or something. He's home. I talked to him today. He's going to be fine. He's just very tired, very weak. But this is the second time, and he says it's worse than the first time. I don't know if that's true or not, but... <laughs> given everything, given he's 86 years old, um, he's handling it quite fine. How he got it, I have no idea. Carrie, what's going on, assistant Carrie, listening in and on my drive home tonight. Thank you, Carrie, for tuning in. The Real from Australia, Delane, Kathy, Mark, Glenn. What's going on, Glenn? Sheree doing the moderating tonight. Uh, we may need her. Delane, hey to you, Kathy. I'm putting together Easter baskets. I love it, Delane. I'm putting together Easter baskets. My mother loved to do that. Twinkle, little star. Barbara, Stacy, on Texas Time, right? I know that song. I'm not even a big country fan, and I know uh, that song on Texas Time, and uh, you are in Central Time. It's weird. Texas, as big a state as it is, is all in one time zone. That is amazing. Um, Delane, Valerie, what's going on? And DLV, good evening in chat. Look at those little emojis. I love that DLV, Karen. And Emily is listening with her man, Aaron, as you work out. Well, I'm glad somebody around here is working out. Uh, good for you, Emily and uh, Aaron. Uh, good news. Uh, I don't think that's correct. What do you mean, Shree? I don't think that's correct. The, I think Texas is all in one time zone. Isn't it all in the in the in the central time zone? I thought. 
Maybe not. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. Emily says, Texas has two times. Look at me being stupid. Or, all right, so somebody's going to have to go look that up now. Maybe I got that. I've been through Texas. And I uh, could be wrong. Somebody straighten me out on that, please. If I'm wrong, of course, I would admit so. But as usual, I have a uh, fantastic – uh-oh, we got it. We got two Texas people disagreeing. Only one time zone. And Sri says definitely two time zones. All right, I'm going to let you two duke it out in the chat. But I got a fantastic uh, show lined up for you tonight. Just want to get some – Heads up things out of the way. First of all, uh, this was uh, breaking news today, uh, but maybe you shouldn't be surprised that this weekend I will be appearing on uh, the Web Sleuths YouTube channel. And that will be Saturday night at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. And uh, Trisha Griffith, who, of course, was just a guest a couple weeks ago, actually just only a week ago, um, will be uh, interrogating me in contrast to me interrogating her like I did for the episode that came out last week. Um, you know, it's her show, show, so she gets to do what she wants. As you know, for all the interviews I do for Unfound, I make out interview outlines. There will be no interview outline uh, for me and Trisha. So um, I'm really not sure what we're, we're going to talk about. And that's fine to me. Uh, that, that, that doesn't bother me at all. So that will be 1030 on Saturday night. I know some of you have very bustling uh, social uh, agendas and very outgoing. So maybe you'll be doing something else on Saturday night. But uh, you know where I will be. I will be on the Web Sluice uh, YouTube channel. And uh, we'll see how long it goes. 10.30 Eastern time. It will be live. Unlike the interview that I did with her, of course, was recorded. I will be on there live just like with uh, Dr. Telesco from last week. And who knows what Trisha and I will get into. But um she told me she would be texting me today. She did. And uh, Saturday is the day. So I'm going to have a big day on Saturday. I have a one-round disc golf tournament to play on Saturday. And then that night, I'll be joining Trisha. I'm looking forward to it. And so I live in Oklahoma. Didn't know that, so I guess I'm I'm stupid to you or not stupid, Twinkle. On Texas, look it up. Emily El Paso is in different times. And then Tyler... Twinkle, Texas is big enough for two time zones for sure. El Paso has different time zones from the rest of the state. Sharice says, looking forward to the interview. Stace, Google says two time zones. I'm in Florida, so I don't know. Uh, Chuck, uh, Charles says two. So Texas is two time zones. Okay. All righty. I stand corrected. I've been through there a couple times and didn't even realize it. But maybe because I wasn't down in the El Paso area, I was going more toward the upper part of Texas, you know, I-40 area headed toward uh, the upper part of New Mexico. Maybe that's the reason. So I apologize. I was wrong. Texas does have two time zones. So some of you are in 
Central Time, and some of you are in Mountain Time. Welcome to all of you. Thank you for all looking out, and we got that straightened out. Thank you, chat. Stacy Google says two two El Paso Central Time as the that's the Texas definitely two lived here fifty years. All right, so still we've not resolved that. Okay, on Texas Time, um, yeah, there's a disagreement here, and then there's Marty. Okay, Marty. Uh, Good to see you, uh, Marty. The big question right now in the chat is, does Texas have two time zones or one time zone? Little did I know by bringing that up, we would get into a discrepancy here. Uh, but Google says two time zones, so I'm not going to argue uh, with Google. So there you go. Uh, by the way, why I was late is I was fully prepared uh, to start right at 9 o'clock. For any of you who tuned in got in here late, I didn't start till like 2 after 9, which is very unusual. Um. A combination of things happened. First of all, I couldn't, I'm like my dad, I couldn't find the remote for the TV to shut it off. And here I had left it right here. Why it's over here, I don't know. It should be over on the couch. But it ended up being over here. So I'm fumbling around. Can't do the live show with the TV, you know, flickering and everything in the background. Can't do that. And then, um, had to always go to the bathroom. Never want to have to go, you know, go to the bathroom in the middle of live show. That's never happened. And so I was over there. And then when I was, I was like, is, you know, because I was eating a little bit and then I had to wipe my face. And so I had to go back to the bathroom again, make sure, you know, I looked good when I showed up here. So there you go. That's why I was late uh, getting to the mic tonight. All right. So once again, this Saturday, I hope uh, as many of you as possible We'll turn it, uh, tune in um, for me and Trisha. I do not know what we will be talking about, but I'm sure it will be interesting. Uh, moving on, of course, Jason Landry was the disappearance that came out on Friday. And it was very, I think it was been very, very well received. Uh, of course, uh, Kent Landry getting a lot of compliments uh, and just the way he talks about his son's disappearance, the way, you know, everything, you know, talking about his faith. Of course, he's a man of faith. We don't necessarily get into those things on the podcast, but being that he is a pastor, uh, he gets a little more leeway than most. Um, but just the way he talked about that. And how no matter, you know, what happens here on earth, he believes he's going to see Jason again and everything. I think that really moved a lot of people. And just on top of everything else, Kent uh, is a very engaging guy. It's one of those things like if you didn't know he was a pastor, you might know. You might suspect that anyway by the way he presents himself, the way he talks, uh, even the tone of his voice and everything. And... That really left a very, very positive impression on everybody. And, of course, the way that um, he talked about his son's disappearance. And I thought he was very fair in uh, presenting uh, his son's disappearance. Very understanding of his son. And all of that seemed to ring true with uh, most of you. Like I said, a lot of um, compliments going out to him. But as we usually do... In the uh, discussion group on Facebook, 
I post a poll there every week. As long as there's something to poll, I did not post a poll in there for when I interviewed Trisha Griffith, but this week, Jason Landry, um, I left, uh, there were a lot of different answers that people could pick from. Uh, is Jason out there still alive, living a new life? Was there foul play? A lot of different choices. I think I left at least five or six different choices. And the number one choice, getting over 50% of the vote all on its own, was that the remains are in a place where no one has looked yet. And in the think tank, really did not get into that. And if you're wondering what the think tank is, uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, some of you have heard this before, but I'm going to say it again. Think tank, you become eligible for the think tank if you are a premium Patreon member. And we do that at 7 p.m. Eastern time every uh, Sunday evening in which we get really, really deep into the specifics. We do a lot of theorizing and things, very private group, usually nine, 10, you know, eight, nine, 10 people. And I bring an agenda to the think tank and that's what we do. We think about these things. I put some post uh, points to ponder and we kind of brainstorm from topic to topic. But for this particular week with Jason, really didn't get into um, specifically, you know, if he's missing and we don't believe there's foul play, but we believe he's deceased, then why hasn't he been found? We talked a little bit about that, but it was certainly not the main concentration for that. Uh, all I can say is in the discussion group or in the uh, the think tank, um, everybody seemed to believe that this was just a, a case of him walking off and there was no foul play. We talked a lot about, of course, the concussion. We talked a lot about, we threw around the idea of it was a, com- uh, was it a combination of a, um, of a concussion and hypothermia. It, we really talked about the weather a little bit. In fact, I think somebody even, uh, while we were doing the think tank, checked to see exactly what the weather was last night. Certainly not warm, but not the coldest that Texas can get in that area either, somewhere in between those. But still, if you're out there, if you don't have a jacket on or something, it's going to get chilly uh, very fast. So we talked about that, but um, overall, nobody seemed to think there was foul play. Unfortunately, nobody seemed to think that Jason was still alive either. Of course, we would love to be surprised on that. And then for me, I have to say it, it was about the same um, for both the discussion group and the think tank, the blog that I write there. And anybody who is a Patreon member is eligible for reading what I have to say there. Or if you want to listen, I do an audio version as well. They're, they're usually over. They're always over 3,000 words. And the audio usually goes for about 18 minutes. So it's not like listening to a full episode. It's not even like an Unfound Now, which usually go 30 minutes, or a live show, which two hours. These blogs, if you just want to listen to it, it's usually less than 20 minutes. Uh, me talking about my own uh, thoughts about any disappearance that we cover on Unfound. But like I said, you got to be a Patreon member. But my conclusion's about the same, that we can certainly think of the idea – was there some unsavory character in there? And in fact, in the think tank, we even really, really tried to look at that. What would we be looking for if we think it's foul play? And it's really tough. 
it's really tough. And you get into a situation, as was brought up in, in there, like Mar Murray. Same thing. Certainly possible that some unsavory, unsavory character came along and whisked her away. Some people even believe that she was actually following another car that night or another car was following her or something like that. A friend or somebody and actually turned around to pick her up. I don't know if there's any evidence of that. But it's very much like that. That I guess it's possible, but how probable is it? Um, you know, especially when we get with Jason, it's not like he went missing in the middle of New York City. And, you know, where exactly did he go? How did he go if he's still alive out there somewhere with him? How did he get from there to somewhere else? Did, it's just hard. It's all re- really, really difficult to put together. So that it was uh, the disappearance of Jason Landry. That is the second unfound now episode. And as I stated um, in the think tank, and I even kind of wrote about it a little bit in the blog, that it's been interesting for me to watch from the unfound now I did in January of 2021 to the present where his disappearance is so much better known than it was. I'm not saying I put it on the map. I would never say that. But I will say when I covered his disappearance as an unfound now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Really, there hadn't been a lot of national coverage on his disappearance. Certainly in Texas, certainly in Houston, certainly in San Marcos, certainly. But nationally, not so much. But what caught my eye, and this is what always catches my eye for Unfound now, is... Are there elements of that disappearance that can be used to educate myself and then educate all of you uh, about any other disappearances that we may run into? That is the standard that I use. So when I'm going to like NamUs and looking at these really recent disappearances, I'm looking at the person. I'm looking at the circumstances, if I can find anything. I'm seeing if anything's been said on WebSleuths. And I start thinking, is this something... Where there are elements of this that I can talk about, and then we can apply those th- principles to other disappearances. As you can tell, Jason Landry's disappearance, very sad. But if we want to cut down on these disappearances or understand them better, get better ideas about what can be done about solving them, I think you can understand when Jason, why Jason Landry's disappearance is a very good example of a particular type of disappearance and why I picked it. I think it's very obvious. Um, but we're always all still to be, still uh, continue to be stunned when these types of disappearances happen. People go missing out in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of great searches done, a lot of great people putting in time, and still nothing. That's always going to be an issue. So, um, uh, thank you, Cherie. Uh, <laughs> 
on Texas time. So, so I looked it up and found two different answers. Who knows? Okay. Um, Marty says, I have a friend in Dallas. There are two time zones. Okay. Marty speaking a lot of two time zone people in here. Um, Delane says about Kent Landry, I believe you might know he's an attorney based on how well he speaks. Yes, he was an attorney and you know, I never really did talk to him about that. Of course, we just concentrated on Jason. Um, but it would be interesting for me to hear, you know, how do you go from being an attorney to a pastor? As we've, you know, we've heard just in our regular lives, some people just feel that calling. And I, I think I think we can also safely say there have been more people that have gone from being an attorney to a pastor than a pastor to an attorney, I think. So uh, I don't know if you get a calling to be an attorney, but certainly uh, we've heard about people believing there's a calling at some point in their life. They just feel very drawn, devoting themselves to their particular faith. So there you go. <clears throat> Marty says the think tank rocks. Thank you, Marty. As you can tell, Marty is a member. In fact, he's one of the newest members. And uh, I think it sounds to me like he's enjoying it and uh, getting something out of it. Uh, Cherie says also important to think about in terms of acclimation. 40 here isn't 40 in Chicago, for example. Yeah. As far as 40 degrees is what Cherie is saying. Hello, Laura. Hey, everyone. Sorry I missed you, you guys. Uh, hello, Laura. How are you? Sure, the probability of someone being out there that would do harm to Jason is less than 1%. I, Shri, I agree. I, I don't know, you know if I could actually put it on a number, but I don't think that statement is unusual. Mark, uh, particularly in that remote area, I thought he wandered off and got lost, but the fact he was naked still throws in a curve. It sort of throws me a curve. It certainly does. You know, and Mark, you know, that's thank you for bringing that up regarding Jason's disappearance. We did talk about that. Was he actually naked? Did he actually take those clothes off at the scene? It seems that there was blood on this underwear. I guess it, I guess it seems like that. But as, as Mark, as you obviously also heard, I did ask Kent, you know, did it seem like any clothes or any shoes or anything were missing? And he just doesn't know. It's so hard to tell. It's just impossible to tell. So, I think the naked thing, the naked uh, idea is something, but I, I'm not sure, Mark, if it's necessarily a fact. It seems like it's a fact, but I don't know if it's a fact. Uh, going to have to go with two signs. Okay, on Texas time, that's fine. Uh, no big deal at all on Texas. Uh, I, I'm going to guess Texas that there are people out here in Florida that don't realize that Florida has two time zones too. So don't feel bad about that. Uh, I think uh, a head injury might explain that, Marty. Yeah, and Texas's disappearance is very puzzling. Uh, Charlie, now you are in Texas time. That's funny, Cherie. Mark, he could easily have changed into something warmer to wear. He could have. And if he did, and I guess what we're also saying, Mark, if he had the mental capacity, if he had the brains to do that, then we have to start questioning, did he really have a concussion at all? Very, but did they think he was being chased and crashed and jump out and ran? Uh, just not in the think tank that just did not come up, Ferry. Um, you know, it, it just didn't come up. 
Um, especially since there were tire tracks there and it seemed like his car was the only one out there at the time. That also, I think, is something that keeps people away from that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stacy, we do. Um, so funny, Stacy. Um, I, I, I could easily change. Do you think they're being chased? At, um, we do. I'm not getting that joke, but if Shree says it's funny, it must be funny. Okay, so Jason Landry, as you know, I try to keep a track of all these disappearances that Unfound is covered, but as you also know, we're up to like 290. So uh, it's getting tougher and tougher uh, by the month. I, I do my best. And of course, we have an update episode coming. And there's going to be a lot to talk about on that update episode. Oh, my goodness. Um, but I'll try to keep in contact with Kent. Um, of course, I know many of you have your disappearances that you keep in contact you know, maybe going to Web Sluice or you're living in the local area looking in the news. And so I know there are those particular disappearances that Unfound is covered that are that are unique or special to you, if only because you live in that particular area. Before I go on, I want to remind everyone once again to uh, give this video a thumbs up as you're watching live or in the replay. That does help us uh, with the YouTube algorithms. Uh, Sharice says Florida has two times as, oh, I get it now. Stacy is in Florida and she's saying we do. Uh, uh, that's funny. Yes, we do, Stacy. <laughs> we do. Um, in fact, uh, the other weird uh, fact about Florida, it is the only state that touches the Atlantic Ocean that also has a central time zone. How about that? That's another weird fact about Florida. All right, moving on. Uh, I've already talked about this uh, new series that I've started found. I'm hoping that that will draw some of you. Maybe you've been a little hesitant about joining Patreon. Um, of course, we know it's tax season, people paying taxes and everything. But I do want you to understand how much becoming a Patreon member and contributing, if only $2 a month, helps what we do here. And... Uh, yes, Stacy. Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Really? Yes, we do have two time zones. Uh, the capital of, of Florida, Tallahassee, is in the central time zone, Stacy. It is. You get over into the Destin, Pensacola area. It is now 830 there, not 930. Yes, that's true. But, um, you know, I just want to take a little time to talk about maybe some of the things you don't see uh, for unfound things that go on behind the scenes that, you know, need your support, need your financial support, need your emotional support. Um, because me, you know, I haven't talked about this for a while, but unfound is surely more than a podcast. Yes, it is. And without the podcast that comes out, uh, every Friday, you know, you can just think of that as like the hub of the wheel in the center. And then there's all these different things that go off in, in different directions. This live show, the YouTube channel, of course, the website, the discussion group, the Facebook page, you know, Twitter, you know, everything without the podcast, you know, of course, nothing else exists. But there are a lot of things 
that we do behind the scenes, you know, in fact, something, and I'm not, I told myself I'm not getting into it, but just uh, because of what's gone on the last 36 hours, I'm not going to get into that, but just an ex- as, as some examples that you should know where your money is going if you are contributing through YouTube, if you are contributing to uh, through uh, Patreon, is we help a lot of guests behind the scenes even after they've been on the podcast. In fact, I have to believe that we do that more than any other true crime podcast out there. I don't talk about it a lot, a few different reasons, mainly because, you know, some of these things we just like to keep off the record and people start asking questions and I don't want to get into names and, and things, but just as, a, as an example, can't tell you how many people we've helped getting their missing loved one on NamUs. You don't realize how many disappearances we've covered in that 290 disappearances. When we came upon the disappearance, Emily, Cherie, whoever, myself, have reached out to some people, family members, however we do it. How many of their missing loved ones are not on NamUs? They don't know how to do it. Maybe they've tried. They've gotten blown off. Uh, Somebody hasn't gotten back to them. We have done that several times. Very, you know, several times, considering how many disappearances we've covered. Is it 25% of the disappearances? No. But it might be 7%. It might be 8%, something like that. And that takes some time. Now, I will admit, a lot of that, I've not had much to do with it. Emily, uh, you all know Emily. Of course, she's in here working out tonight. You know how much she has done. In fact, Emily and I were talking about that very topic today. But that is where your money gives us the time. It gives us the flexibility to do something like that. Some of the FOIAs that we've gotten. Remember going back to like Jennifer Perry's. That FOIA cost 200 some. No, maybe not that. It had 200 some pages, but I think it cost like $140. And we were able to do that because of Patreon people and of YouTube support, I think YouTube, uh, you know, existed, the, the, the joining existed at that time. Those are some of the things that we can do. And if you remember, Jennifer Perry, she's been missing 30 years. Her family never had the file. And because of the support that m- many of you give Unfound, we were able to just, just do it. And it happened very, very quickly. 140 bucks, no problem. Got it done. That is some of the uh, the things uh, that we do with the money that comes in from Patreon and YouTube. Another thing is just some of the counseling that I do behind the scenes. You know, these are some of the things we do. And I think that it's worth it to make sure that this continues. Um, any guest who's ever been on the program has access to me 24 hours, seven days a week. These are some of the things you do. And so if you're thinking about, 
you know, I've been talking a lot about it, you know, and you have a lot of different choices. I know you listen to a lot of different podcasts. A lot of people say, well, you know, we would like you to contribute here. We'd like you to contribute there. And some of these podcasts are not even true crime. You have a lot of different tastes out there. But I want you to know that you're when you are contributing and you choose to support Unfound, you are supporting more than just a podcast that comes out at 2 p.m. Eastern every Friday. And it's more than just this live show, me sitting here in front of in front of the camera here, or me writing the blog, or uh, posting in the discussion group, and, and these things that are much more visible. And so that's why I think you should consider doing. It. I think it's a great way for even just uh, for YouTube channel three dollars a month. What's that breakdown? Ten uh, ten cents a day on Patreon. Two dollars a month. I realize it's not tax deductible. I get it. But even so, $24 for like a year, you're not going to you know, be able to deduct that anyway. And having just done my taxes um, you know, for Unfound. And yes, we did pay taxes this year. And I want to thank listener Kathy for uh, walking me through all of that so I don't go to debtor's prison. Um, this is where it goes. And you can say, you know what? It's just two bucks. But man, I'm contributing to something, not only a great podcast, but a lot of great work that is being done behind the scenes. So, and of course, as you know, I'm always thinking about new ways to make it interesting. Hence this new um, series found, the think tank, the blog that is both written and audio now, of course, was found for you YouTube people who are members. You get to take part in that now as well. I realize times are tough. I see inflation too. But I also want you to think, you know, if you're going to be spending money on something, it's like Starbucks, a lot less than Starbucks coffee. And this is only once a month, whereas you may be getting Starbucks three times a week. Just think about it. I'm politely asking. All right, moving on. Uh, the new, un, the next unfound now, speaking of things I'm always you know, speaking of Unfound Now, I just talked about with Jason Landry. Uh, the new Unfound Now is out, and it is the disappearance of Maya Blanton, who went missing in Baton Rouge on February 25th, 2023. If you're wondering, if you are a Patreon member, if you are a member on this channel, you get this early. So the people who contribute, as I was just talking about, they got this last Monday. They got it early. And the rest of you had to wait a week. If that bothers you, um, maybe you should think about contributing, and I would, I would appreciate it. Maya's is one of those that, as I was talking about before, what am I looking for when I'm looking at Unfound Dows? I actually had narrowed it down to three that I could have chose I chose this one, even though of the three, it had the fewest facts. But I chose Maya's because she and her car are missing. And did she really drive to downtown Baton Rouge or was this something else? Also, I picked it because I was able to find out some background on Maya. She had some issues some years ago on which she was firing a gun from a car. And so do we need to think about that? So this is a disappearance that, at least on the surface, sounds like a lot of other disappearances that we've covered. 
But then you add in some of Maya's history, and maybe it might cause us to think something else. And this is just to show how quickly our attitudes can change about a dis- disappearance, knowing a little bit more about the person. Um, as I've stated, I'm going to keep saying it. Disappearances are about people. They're not about circumstances. And Maya's is a very good example of that, possibly. She and her car go missing, and there just are not a lot of facts out there. But I chose it anyway because I think we can learn some things from it. Of course, that's of course free publicity for a disappearance. I, of course, hope that Maya's out there somewhere. Um, we know when people and their cars go missing, and it's been this long, the odds of the car and the person being found together are very high, usually in a body of water. But as I analyzed in that disappearance, certainly the Mississippi River is right there. It's just a little hard to predict how she and her car could have gotten into the river unless she was really, really, really just trying to do it herself or somebody did that. Very, very difficult. This would not be a situation where she veered to miss something and went into the Mississippi River. It would have to have been something that's a little more deliberate than that. So I just made it public today. I hope you will watch it. I hope you'll check it out. Please give it a thumbs up. Delaying, I don't think most families know they can request records. For those that a family member has been missing for many years, it could be helpful if there are names and the circumstances they didn't know about. Well, that certainly happened with Jennifer Perry's Delane. Um, going back to that disappearance, uh, it seems like yesterday, but it's been over a year. Um, both Jennifer's mother and her sister were the impression that the police really hadn't done anything over that, like most of that time, there's, you know, 30 years, now 30 years now, but 29, 28, 29 years. Um, years when the episode came out and then when I call and of course the, the the file I didn't print it out but it was like 200 some pages and it's obvious that multiple de- agencies detectives tried to figure out what happened to her a lot of names in those files and you just never know what you're going to run to and, and run into and nobody was more surprised about it than I was. So you're right, Delane. And I don't think that they had ever tried requesting the records uh, before in Jennifer Perry's case. It's just the one that comes to mind. Um, all right, moving on. Let's go to some national news. Maybe you saw this. I want to comment on this a bit. Uh, I've listened to the Unfound podcast from the jump. I appreciate the thorough thoughtfulness and integrity on Texas time. Thank you. Very kind. And I am going to, if I have time, I may get into a little bit of how we do our business here at Unfound. If not, it's surely going to be in the Q&A episode that's coming out in a week and a half. I want to talk about the Las Vegas shooter. Just when we thought we had heard the last about the analysis, the reports on this guy who shot up that concert killing all those people in my former hometown of Las Vegas. Just when you thought we'd heard the last of that, since the last Unfound Live, a new report has come out, and I'm going to read it to you. It's, it's, and this is actually from the Las Vegas Review Journal, LVRJ.com. Dare I say it, one of the best newspaper newspaper media sites in the country. If you don't know, very organized, very well written. And it's been that forever since the internet, 
Since I went to Las Vegas in 1998 and got the internet and the RJ was on there, it has always been spectacular. Whoever does their formatting and designing for their website gets a gold star for me, five gold stars. It's always been that way. It's amazing. Anyway, the lead investigator of the 2017 mass shooting in Las Vegas criticized the FBI on Thursday after the federal agency released new documents about the gunman's final days. Kelly McCahill, a retired deputy chief, said it was unprofessional for the FBI to publish this new information without first notifying the Metro Police Department. Metro is uh, Las Vegas's police force, and it's kind of a – it gets really complicated, but it covers all of Las Vegas. However, technically Las Vegas is divided into da- Las Vegas proper like Fremont Street and then everything else. But the same police department covers all of it. If you don't know, kind of confusing. You'd only know that if you live there, if you've lived there. It will be very damaging to the 22,000 of people that attended the concert, the victims of the family members that were lost, and the survivors, said McCahill, who is married to Sheriff Kevin McCahill. McMahill. McMahill. Yeah, McMahill. There's still no known motive for five, five years later, and LVMPD would never hide a potential motive for any of, from any of the victims. Sandy Brout, Brout, a spokesman for the FBI's Las Vegas division, said Friday that the office could not comment on documents put out through the federal agency's vault. The newly released records provided some additional insight into Stephen Paddock's mindset and gambling habits before he fatally shot 60 people and injured hundreds more at the Route 91 Harvest Festival on the Strip. But the FBI records, which are being widely reported for the first time just days after a shooter in Nashville, Tennessee, killed three adults and three children at a private Christian elementary school, do not identify a particular motive. One gambler told the FBI that Paddock, who opened fire on concertgoers in a 10-minute-long rampage, was very upset at the way casinos were treating him and other high rollers. Names, including the gamblers, were redacted in the FBI records. That means they were blacked out. The stress could easily be what caused Paddock to snap, the gambler speculated, noting that casinos had reduced the number of perks they gave to VIP customers in the years leading up to the shooting. The October 1st, 2017 attack ended with Paddock, who was positioned inside a Mandalay Bay hotel suite across from the Country Music Festival, killed himself with a revolver. At least 50 mass shootings have occurred on U.S. soil since, but the Las Vegas shooting remains the worst in modern American history. Metro, which conducted a joint investigation of the shooting with the FBI, wrote in a statement Thursday that the documents don't add anything of substance to the case, and speculating on a motive causes more harm to the hundreds of people who were victims that night. According to the FBI records, the 64-year-old Paddock had lost thousands of dollars gambling, About a month before the shooting, he lost $38,000 in two days at the Tropicana, Las Vegas, one employee told authorities. For survivors, the heavily redacted report does little to quell their unanswered questions. Brittany Castrojohn, now 34, who survived the shooting with her then 14-year-old cousin, said the idea that Paddock snapped because he felt disrespected by casinos sounded to her like BS, but they actually read it out. The only thing I can chalk it up to is that he was just pure evil, said Castor John, who works as a court reporter in Las Vegas. For William King, who was shot in the back, the bullet missing his heart by half a centimeter. 
No revelation will make him feel any better about the traumatic ordeal. I feel like I searched for the answer, and all it did was sink me deeper in the negative, King wrote. But the Las Vegas resident added, so many people died by his hands, I wish it was answered for their loved ones. Those who knew Paddock described him as a strange, prolific video poker player who always wore gloves. Neighbors in Mesquite, Nevada, said he only came out at night and had tried to put up a solid fence so no one could look at his house. One woman told authorities that he never made eye contact or shook her hand. A longtime friend told the FBI that Paddock referred to gambling as his main source of income, earning so much that he bought a handgun for protection. Much of Paddock's wealth also came by selling apartment complexes across the country, including Central Park Apartments in Mesquite, Texas. He used money from that 2012 sale to buy the weapons that were ultimately used in the shooting. In December 2017, Metro received copies of 11 letters found in a vacant office building in Texas pertaining to Paddock, but the FBI has redacted much of their context. The records also state that Paddock threatened to kill someone, that he was mad at the system and did not like how things were going and was stockpiling money around the middle of 2015. Another person told the FBI that Paddock was fascinated with two Oklahoma City bombers and thought Adolf Hitler was a good man. Uh, that 1995 bombing, Oklahoma City bombing, you know, Timothy McVeigh killed 168 people. Previously released law enforcement reports have also provided a narrow glimpse into who Paddock was. In 2019, the FBI released a summary report reiterating that he acted alone. At the time, a spokesman said no other reports related to the investigation would be released. The FBI listed 10 key findings which painted a picture of a largely apathetic man declining in physical and mental health as he aged, who may have seen the attack as a way to obtain infamy. The summary report report noted that he may have been influenced by his father, a convicted bank robber who escaped from federal prison in 1968 and landed on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. He was arrested nearly a decade later, largely absent from Paddock's life and died in 1998. Metro in 2018 released a 187-page report, which also found no clear motivation. The report details other events Paddock was potentially scouting to attack, including Lollapalooza and Life is Beautiful musical festivals. That, to me, tells me he was interested in what was locating a large crowd. That does not speak to motive. It simply speaks to locations he was scouting to commit this potential crime, said McMahill, the lead investigator. Governor Joe Lombardo, who was sheriff, who was the sheriff at the time of the shooting, declined to comment on the FBI documents. What we have not been able to definitively answer is the why Stephen Paddock committed this act. Investigators found no suicide note, video manifesto, or other forms of explanation regarding the attack. Unlike this recent shooting in Nashville, they determined that Paddock wanted to die by his own hand, possibly seeing suicide as an act of control in a life. It seemed to be keep spiraling into decline as he grew older. His financial status fell. His level of functioning slowly diminished, and he grew increasingly distressed at his inability to rem- remedy those issues, the report said. A Las Vegas doctor described Paddock as odd and emotionless and told authorities he might have bipolar disorder. The doctor said Paddock seemed fearful of medications and refused to take antidepressants. Those drugs were found in his system during his autopsy, though. Separate examination of his brain done at Stanford University found no major abnormalities. Former Democratic Governor Steve Sisolak, who served on the Clark County Commission at the time of the shooting, says he believes mental health issues played a role in the attack. It's still a tragedy that we live every day here. 
It's obviously going to live with us forever, no matter what happened. So let me read everybody. I was uh, reading for a while. Um, uh, Latoya, good night from uh, New York City. Uh, are you leaving us, Latoya? Okay. Kathy, Stephen Paddock, Mark, I have two nephews that work for Las Vegas Metro. Both were on duty that night, one of them working overtime at the concert venue. Oh, my, Mark. Valerie, how did I not hear about this? And, yes, the Revert You Journal is 100%. Is, uh, 100, yeah, for sure. Latoya, why would he kill people that have nothing to do with casinos? Why didn't he get the casino owner? I'm going to get into that in a little bit, Latoya. I think that's a fascinating question. Thank you for bringing it up. I'm going to try to answer it as best as I can tell. It's such a messed up case, Marty says on Texas Time. Anyone else having problems with the sound? It very well could be on time just because I was leaning over to read. Uh, Latoya Paddock previously had surveilled another festival the month before the shooting. He had planned this far quite some time. He sent his partner back to the Philippines. I heard Paddock had planned this for a while. Uh, Latoya, nope, I'm staying on. Okay, you're Latoya, maybe you're just uh, getting in now. Fantastic. I think, you know, there's something that's not written in here that seems like a viable choice to me. Once again, uh, just theorizing, and, and anybody can theorize. But something that hasn't, I'm, I'm just pointing this out because I haven't read this anywhere. I'm not going to go say what other people have said. But this is something that struck me when I saw this came out, and I've known about this article since last week, although I just made the outline today. What occurs to me is it even says, you know, he felt that he was losing, you know, of course we all do. You know, none of us get out of here alive. <laughs> uh, and as you get older, if you do get into your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know what? You do lose your physical ability, some worse than others. Some of it's environment, some of it's genetic. And so, of course, some people don't even get to be 50. But being that he was scouting out these concert venues, I look at Lollapalooza. He says, life is beautiful. And then this one, this one what do they all have in common? All young people. It doesn't have anything where he was scouting out, for example, just as an example, a car show. You know, these car shows that people have, and, and we know, you know, thousands of people will show up in some downtown area of some city, and there'll be really nice cars, and everybody get will get together. That, I'm not, you know, trying to be morbid or anything, but that kind of sounds like a place, if he was thinking about shooting something up, and we know these kind of car shows are happening all the time, we know, but what's the difference? Car shows tend to bring out an older crowd. That's why they fit, play 50s music, which still doesn't make any sense to me. But they play 50s and 60s music during these car shows and not, you know, electronic dance music. There's a reason. And if it is true that he was truly being depressed about his, uh, you know, his physical abilities diminishing – his mental uh, abilities diminishing. And then he's thinking about doing a mass shooting and he's checking out Lollapalooza. It's going to be a lot of young people. The Life is Beautiful concert, a lot, of be a lot of young people. This concert, a lot of young people. Could this just have been he did this because he hates that they're healthy and alive and everything and he's uh, you know, going downhill? I realize that I'm just playing armchair psychiatrist here, 
but I've never seen this written anywhere. And it was the first thing, the way this article was written, I don't think I've thought about this before, but just the way this was written, you know, may, you know maybe I'm just saying something between the lines that's not there, but this is something that comes to mind for me. He knows this concert's going to be there. It's going to be a big concert. Even I can admit it, 50-some years old, there's only certain co- kind of concerts that I wanted to go to these days. In contrast to like an Iron Maiden concert. Yes, there are some young people there, but mostly they're older people. They're, they're Gen Xers. People who got into their musical tastes when Iron Maiden came on the scenes in the early 80s. A little older crowd. Lollapalooza, probably going to have a younger crowd. These other concerts, younger crowd. And this is, I think this is something worth thinking about. If they're going to tell me that he was feeling like he was diminishing in capacity, then I have to start thinking the reason he shut up and killed all these young people is because he was jealous of them. He saw all these people having a great time jumping around in the prime of their lives, got all their hair, got great skin. They're all standing up straight. They can drink and drink and drink and never get drunk. And he's doing what he's doing and playing video poker and diminishing and and everything else. Just something to think about. So I wanted to leave you with that. I'll I'll just leave it. Um, So going back to your question, LaToya, uh, that is what I think. I think that I don't think he was mad in any casino uh, or anything like that. That's why he didn't shoot up the casino. And and we all know on a, if you go into a casino on a Friday, Saturday night in Las Vegas, it's pretty packed. Granted, they have guards there, but him doing that shooting, he knew guards were going, police were going to show up one way or the other anyway. It wasn't about necessarily gambling and hating casinos or anything else. I think it was just the hatred of young people because they were having a good time and he wasn't anymore. That's what I think. Um, Let me see. uh, Valerie, my kid's babysitter survived. She now has PTSD. I believe it, Valerie. It's very sad. Can't imagine. And uh, I know for me, I've been to many concerts since, but uh, that in that one, I went with my buddy Dana. We went to see uh, Judas Priest, and it was outside in Orlando. And I'll admit, it does go through your mind. You do think. Now, granted, there weren't any tall buildings around or anything, but still, it goes through your mind. Whereas when I went to the Iron Maiden concerts and they're inside, and of course, everybody goes through metal detectors and everything else, and there are many police officers there and everything. Doesn't jump into my mind. But when I went to see Judas Priest, that would have been August, September of 2021, I'll admit, on my mind. So I hope that answers your question, LaToya. Um, Valerie, well, you know... Um, while, while you know someone who was injured from that shooting horrible LaToya, that makes sense. Valerie, I know she ended up moving with her husband to Pahrump and sold her house. She was done. I don't blame there. Been to Pahrump, like an hour north west of Vegas. 
Uh, uh, Marcus, that's a good point. Thank you. Latoya, oh gosh, maybe that was redacted. He didn't want to kill children, uh, young adults. I think he did want to kill children and young adults. I, I, you know, Kathy Paddock was a very narcissistic, self-entitled, sullen, bitter person. Two of his brothers are ex-cons and his dad spent lots of time in prison. True. Bowling, my notifications are easily an hour behind. Can someone please tell me the schedule? Um, bowling, uh, always 9 p.m. Eastern on Monday nights. 9 p.m. Eastern time. Always. Yeah, it used to be on Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. But we've been on Mondays for a while now. Uh, maybe Sheree or somebody knows right off the top of their head how long it's been. But it's always 9 p.m. Eastern. Always. Um, and in fact, I would say that if I can't do this live show for whatever else is going on in my life, if I can't do it till at 9 p.m. Eastern, then it'll just, it just gets moved to another night. I don't move it to like 9.30 or 10. Just so you know. Uh, thank you, Sheree, for uh, posting that. Once a week. That's right. Mark, soft targets like that are extremely risky places to be these days. True. Latoya, I still won't go to big movie first night because of the Batman movie theater shooting in Colorado, right? Yeah, Latoya. I agree with you. You know, And it's one of those things, as you know, I am a... Uh, a gun owner. I do take at least one of my guns everywhere that you are legally to do so here in Florida. I don't, of course, you're not allowed to take it into the post office uh, and some other places. But um, even then, you know, if you have a shooter that just comes out of nowhere, that it's not going to matter much that you have a gun on you if you're the first person to be shot. And that's, of course, why we always talk about it at the end of this live show. Got to keep your head on a swivel. Now, could you do that for that concert back in 2017? No. No. It's just not possible. It's just, you just, if you're going to go some to someplace like that, you just have to accept the risk. Now, we have to realize these kinds of things, even though they're in, the, it seem like they're in the news all the time, they're very, very rare. Very, 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 very rare. So I don't want you to, um, you know, get distraught about this and, and everything. We have to realize that these are rare occurrences, but unfortunately, if they happen, they're just about as bad as life gets. And there's no, there's no steps you can take to protect yourself. Head on a swivel would not have mattered for this. I mean, you're at this concert, the music's playing and everything, and a guy that's, a, you know, not even 100 yards, he was farther than 100 yards away, you know, knocks out a window in Mandalay Bay, does this. Just, it's, it's just horrible. It's just horrible. Kristen, thank you very much. Uh, what Kristen has done there is she has decided to contribute to Unfound using the Super Chat button. That is that square or rectangle with the dollar sign. And Kristen, I love the little guy dancing around there. You are amazing. Kristen, you're very kind. Thank you. Um, I just want to remind everybody, I'm only amazing at a few things. Everything else, I'm pretty average. Uh, so, yes, I think, thank you, Kristen. You are very, very generous. That is... Uh, the super chat button, if you'd like to monetarily contribute. Jasmine, what's going on? I know you're late, Jasmine. That's fine. I was late two by two minutes, Jasmine. Don't feel too bad. Moving on. This is a 
uh, a crazy story. Uh, that's a great quote I'm going to use. What quote is that? Oh, I'm only amazing, amazed, amazing at a few things, and I'm um, average at everything else. Is that? Are you going to steal that, Shuri? I haven't copywritten it yet, so um, yes, you can use that. I give you per- license-free permission to use that, Shuri. Have you heard about this? It's just amazing. Have you heard about Tanvi Moropoli? Marupoli. Have you heard about this? This is amazing. Happy ending, but crazy. Today at 1.30 p.m., the Conway Police Department, that's Conway, Arkansas. There's a Conway in Pennsylvania, and there's probably Conways all over the United States. We're talking about Conway, Arkansas. Held a press conference concerning Tanvi Maropoli, the missing teen from Conway who recently was found in Florida after disappearing two months ago. The conference's primary speaker was police chief William Tapley, who began by saying today is a good day. Tanvi Marupoli is at home with her family, safe and sound exactly where she should be. Before yesterday, the only thing Conway Police Department, the Conway Police knew for certain was that Tanvi left Conway Junior High School on Tuesday, January 17th. So two and a half months ago. And continued walking north on Davis Street instead of getting on the bus. For the first time, more details have been revealed. You're just going to, this is going to blow your mind if you haven't heard this. Here's what we learned from uh, the sheriff or the police chief. After leaving school that day, Tanvi followed train tracks for several miles through the night until she found a train to board. Over the next handful of days, she made her way to Kansas City from Conway, Arkansas. So if uh, Kansas City, of course, I think it's Kansas City, Missouri. Even uh, It's Kansas City, but it's in Missouri. Go figure. Um, where she arrived on approximately January 22nd, so five days later. There she checked into a homeless shelter under a fake name. She lived in the Kansas City area for around two months, 15 years old girl, until she relocated by bus. Guess where? Right here, Tampa, Florida. As far as we know, it was a random choice, Camp Tapley said. In Tampa, she lived in an abandoned building. Tanvi's love for the library is ultimately what led to her discovery, Tapley said. While searching or while visiting a public library to do research on jobs she might be able to find via Craigslist, a Tampa area citizen recognized Tanvi from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children website. You just don't know how rare this is. What I've talked about, you know... The human mind being able to see something and then go to Disney World and pick out that same person while walking around there when it's busy, next to impossible. It seems this is what happened here, though. Very, very lucky. That individual took a picture of Tanvi and sent it to the organization on Tuesday, March 28th. By the morning, Conway Police received the image and worked in collaboration with the Tampa Police Department and the U.S. Marshals Service to verify that the child photographed was indeed Tanvi. The tracking down of Tanvi didn't take long. Ultimately, in a sheer case of sheer luck, when the Tampa Police Department went to check to see video footage from the library, Tanvi had returned. Once confronted, Tanvi identified herself and was taken into protective custody. By late that evening, she was reunited with her family in Conway. 
When asked if the Conway police had more information regarding why Tanvi ran away, Tapley said, we believe it was due to the stress involved from information that she believed that her family might end up being deported. Uh, she's Indian, like from the country of India. I don't know anything about it. Was somebody's green card up? Were they there illegally? I have no idea. <clears throat> and because of that, she felt it was best for her to leave. Additionally, when asked if Tanvi was aided in her attempts to leave home, Tapley said, we do not have any indication at this point that she received help from anybody else. Amazing story. Uh, let's just put this for the, on the record right now. This girl is lucky to be alive. The choices that she made, going down the train tracks, getting on a train, living in a homeless shelter for two months, then taking a bus. You know, the issue is, how did she do this? Did she have money? I, I This is something that I have in my notes for this uh for this entry for tonight's live show. I guess she took some money to be able to do all this. So the homeless shelter, she's going to at least get water and some kind of food for free. But when it comes to taking buses, uh, unless somehow she snuck on or sneaked on or, or something or begged for money or something, that's a little harder to understand. Although I, I can't tell you how much a bus Ferries from Kansas City to Tampa. I just can't even imagine that ride on a bus. But she is very fortunate to be alive. And, you know, it's obvious that she was running away. It doesn't seem like she had much of a plan. She just wanted to get away. She knew where to go to get some food, get something to drink. How did she just, you know, the library's here. Could she just walk in? I guess. Um, she's very lucky to be alive. I'm going to keep saying it because it's very, it, this all could have gone so badly. And here's what I know. Had it gone badly and Tanvi had run into the, the wrong person, you know, I just, unless her remains are actually found, I don't know how you'd ever solve this because nobody would really suspect that a 15-year-old would walk down tracks, get on a train, and end up in Kansas City. Nobody would be able to predict that. And this is what makes disappearances so difficult. It's all those things we don't see. This is, uh, in effect, I think this, this uh, disappearance is, you know, is something that I brought up, like with the Kyle Fleischman disappearance and, and some others. That you can have all the video that you want of a missing person, but if it doesn't show what actually happened, it's not helpful. If it doesn't actually show, show somebody jumping off a bridge, if it doesn't actually show somebody in their car going into a body of water, but instead it just shows somebody walking by a camera, anything can happen after that. Obviously, somebody saw her. I'm, I, maybe it was video. Maybe it was a reliable eyewitness saw her walking away. Um, anything could have happened after that. It just so happened that it was this, which some is something nobody could have predicted. And I'm sure nobody was looking for her in Kansas City. Got lucky here. Some sharp-eyed person. I just cannot even begin to, to explain how rare that is, but how magnificent it is. So 
I guess, you know, we also have to understand we have to believe this is rare. We have to believe that this is rare. It seems there were no adults. There was no sex trafficking, no kidnapping. Somehow this girl figured it out and was able to do so for over two months. Now, what does that mean for some of Unfound's disappearances? Well, the, maybe the first one we want to go to is Michaela Bally. Could be the same thing. Once again, she walked away from her school, never came back. The problem is she may have had planned exactly what Tanvi did here, but she did run into the wrong person. And of course, I realize a lot of people believe she was meeting somebody. Certainly open to that idea. I don't know if I buy into that idea, but I'm certainly open to um, it very well may be that Michaela Bally had the same plan. Yeah, I'm going to take off, but she did run into the wrong person. This is how tough disappearances are. Maybe given that I just spoke about her about a half hour ago, Jennifer Perry. Now, that's a little more complicated. She was only 13. She's living on an island. Tech, not generally. Yes, there was a highway to it. But she's out there in the Keys of Florida. And are we to really believe that she was able to get a ride and nobody came forward or something like that? It's a little hard to believe. I guess not impossible. But I just have to believe this type of disappearance is rare. And, and you know, we just, um, you know, maybe some other disappearances that we think about uh, that could be like that. There's one on the tip of my tongue right now. I hope I can find it here. Where is it? Um, no, 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 no. Um, I hate when this happens when I go for a name and I can't find, just can't find it right now, but, um, And when I said Jennifer Perry, it was before that. It's going to bother me, so I got to I got to look this up. Must have been a while ago. No, it wasn't that long ago. Come on now. Must have been within the last. Uh, it's before. Oh, there we go. Maybe we think about Leanne Hosberg. Maybe we're open to that. She took off. Remember, she got a car ride, actually a ride in a service car somewhere. Maybe that one too. Of course, that was in New York City. So just, I'm so happy that this little girl was found alive because it could have gone so bad. But I guess it shows, I guess if kids put their minds to it, they can run away. It's just hard to predict. I don't think that there are no facts that could have ever predicted. I think that um, going back to January when she really went missing, what would we be thinking? We'd be thinking she was going to see somebody and got kidnapped. That's what we would be thinking. Totally sensible, most logical thought we would have about a disappearance like this, except would be wrong. So Tanvi, so happy you're alive. I don't, you know, I don't know what the situation really is with her family or something, but hopefully they can get that all straightened out. Um, but um, wow. So if you hadn't heard about that, 
That is an amazing story. Uh, Bowling says, is this the one that was supposed to pick up her check when she got out of school? Didn't read anything about that in this article. What in the world? I missed this story. Yeah, LaToya. Um, this is, it, I, I don't know it's a national news story when she went missing, but being that she's been found, it's gone national, LaToya. Uh, Marty says, it's scary how resourceful a 15-year-old could be. Thank goodness she's okay. I'm guessing she must have thought this out. I don't think that she got up that morning and just decided to do this. This is something that, as it stated, it seems, I don't know what kind of issues they're having, but probably knew about it for a while and says she doesn't want to go back to where she's from. She doesn't want to go back to another country. She's staying here, so she took off. What's up, Jill? Um, Latoya says she's very lucky and blessed. I agree. Latoya, the shelter would provide bus ticket one way, I believe. Is that right, Latoya? <clears throat> so a homeless shelter might be able to provide a bus ticket for free one way. That is not something I would have predicted, Latoya. Okay, thank you for that. Um, uh, the bowling with cotton balls, $330 approximately. Uh, Valerie, while well, 15-year-old, she's lucky to be alive. I hope she was not hurt in any way. Rockford... Andrew Gosden vibes. I'm familiar with that. Yeah, London case. I know that. Given age and train. Hey, you beat me to the weekly Fleischman reference. Well, maybe next week, Rockford. Kristen, kids are so resourceful now these days. I'm 49 and I don't think I could get by on my own, on my own streets, Kristen. Uh, Rockford Oats, that's the first person I thought of too. Of course, we know Cal was, um, or Andrew Gosden, right? Right. And the belief that he did is that he did run into the wrong person or people. Rockford, Walkers, and it fits the bill, doesn't it? Also hard to trace Gosden to an outside influence who's luring him out. And then there's Asha Degree. Asha Degree is mind-boggling. I'm familiar with the name, not with the circumstances. Rockford, also, Kristen, agree with your comment about not being able to get on my own on the streets. Of course, I'd wind up in the first bar I came across. <laughs> Uh, Rockford, who is playing the Astros in the World Series this year? Oh, my goodness. Kathy Rockford, I can't imagine. <coughs> a nine-year-old was not lured out of her home in the middle of night. I, that must be the Astro degree um, disappearance. Once again, just not uh, – I don't know the circumstance. I, I think I knew, though, that, <coughs> that she was uh, a missing child. All right, moving on. Um, I'm glad I brought some, maybe it sounds like some of you did not know about that story. I'm glad I could talk about it then. Uh, very quickly, uh, I did talk about this last week. Gwyneth Paltrow <coughs> found not guilty, I think, uh, in harming uh, Mr. Sanderson. And as I stated last week, I could certainly believe that she might be uh, responsible. She's the one that, who seemingly was able to skate away with a lot less injury than he had. I mean, a lot, 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 lot less. But, you know, as we know, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, very wafy. <coughs> you, would, you would think, I don't know why I'm coughing. You would think that she would have been injured. He, I mean, he cracked ribs and everything else, and she didn't. But I can certainly understand why the jury eventually found for her instead of him. I did not watch every day. I know some of you did. But it just was not clear-cut at all. 
There was a lot, a lot, a lot of reasonable doubt. Um, of course, the video probably helped, but I think the the thing that hurt the Sanderson guy the most was he kept, you know, saying how he was so injured and how his life had diminished and everything, and got all these pictures all over the world. He's certainly traveling more than Ed Densel is. Think that really, really damaged his credibility. Now we have to think about this. So, what was this? If it is a situation, really, really, Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, is the really truly the not just innocent in the trial, but actually innocent in real life? If we had uh, our sixth sense or something to be able to go back and and actually be there when it all happened, she was actually innocent. He hinted into her. Then what was this trial all about? You know, was this somebody just looking to get over on a celebrity? Maybe, but it's hard to say. Um, it's just really hard to say. I, I, I don't think that this guy brought this, uh, against her because, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow kind of has a, a very snooty reputation. You know, I'll tell you, I've been watching the, the, uh, the Marvel movies while I've been doing some work at home, like doing the outline for this live show tonight and I have Disney plus I've been watching the Marvel movies in order. So I've been seeing a lot of Gwyneth Paltrow lately. You know, she may be really snooty and hoity toity. I've never met her or anything in real life, of course, but otherwise, you know, she's a decent actress. I think she does have an Academy award, right? Um, was it because of that? Was it be just because she's perceived as being the snooty and somebody wanted to, you know, get back at her, get revenge of her, bring her, you know, cut her down to size? That doesn't seem like it fits either. I mean, could it just really believe that the Sanderson guy really believed what he was saying? And I guess he didn't really remember the, the crash and specifically, and maybe some people had to tell him what exactly happened afterwards, and maybe those people had an agenda. I guess we could go on and on and on and on and on. And on. Um, but you know, still, if I was in a situation like that and I had been in an accident and I couldn't remember what happened, you know, I feel motivated to take somebody to court. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I would try to probe my memory do I sound like the type of person who would run into another on a ski slope? Have I, uh, you know, I'd be thinking, okay, I've gone skiing before I've ever been out of control. You know what? I have been, and it's been very fortunate. I haven't run into somebody before. I might be thinking about that. What do I know about my own skiing habits? Does it make it more probable or less probable that I was the cause of an accident? On the other hand, if I think back it, of course, I've never been a skier. Oh, but if I think back and think, start thinking, you know what? I'm a pretty good skier. I follow the rules. I don't go crazy. I don't hot dog it or anything else. Then what are the odds that I ran into somebody else, no matter if she's a famous person or not? I would have to say that the odds then are pretty low that I did that. It's probably fairly improbable. And maybe that was it. Maybe Standerson was just relying on his own memories of skiing and thinking, you know what? 
I've been doing this for years. I never ran into anybody. I never caused any accidents or anything. So it must have been her. I can't remember it. But being that I know my own personal skiing happens, I know that I would have not have caused those wrecks. So she must have done it. So maybe there's that kind of thinking. But not surprised uh, that they found her not guilty. Just didn't seem there was a lot there. And, and I think the one juror, you know, and I, you know, sometimes I don't know what to make when a juror comes out and goes immediately to a camera and wants to talk about it. I have to tell you, though, the woman, I think she was juror number 11, you know, seems fairly sensible. I don't think that she's just doing it for the limelight or anything. And the explanation that she gave seemed fa fairly well, well thought out, wasn't sensational or, or anything. Um, so I, I'm inclined to agree with her. Uh, I guess I am, even though it is, I think, just on the surface, it's hard to explain how two people, no matter who they were, who caused it, get into a, a, a you know, a crash on a scope. You have Gwyneth Paltrow, who maybe weighs 110 pounds. And then you have the Sanderson guy who, you know, he's not a linebacker, but he is a guy. And he's the one that gets the broken ribs and all these issues, and she doesn't. So it, it, it kind of does make you start thinking, did she, like, cause the wreck and skate away or ski away? But there you go. Um, let's see what everybody is uh, saying here. Uh, Rockford, easy, Cherie. Lots of baseball ahead of us. Did you see what we did to the A's? Okay, baseball talk. That is permitted in the chat. Um, Uh, the Big A's is not far drive from you, Kathy. One of my favorite spots in the world, the Big A. Uh, Sheree, I didn't Rockford, but okay, so more baseball talk. Uh, Marty, he probably thought she would settle out of court. Easy payday. Marty, that's possible. Um, you know, and we have to remember, recently he brought a $3 million case against the ski resort, the ski instructor, and Gwyneth, and a judge totally threw that out. And so this was like the remainder of that against Gwyneth being that she was in the wreck. But it was only for $300,000. Now, I'm guessing that, and having seen, uh, you can go see Gwyneth Paltrow's show, Everybody Her House, on that Architectural Digest YouTube channel. And I yes, that's one of the channels I go to, by the way. There, I just admitted that. Uh, I think that, you know, she has $300,000 just lying around if you know, she needed to give it to somebody. And you have to remember, she comes from a well-to-do family. Her her mother was also an actress, uh, Blythe Danner, and her father, Bruce Paltrow, was, you know, did a lot of stuff too. So maybe that's what he thought. Very well could be thinking, oh, she has money, you know, keep herself out of the spotlight. But hey, I give it to Gwyneth Paltrow. She goes in there not knowing what's going to be deciding, decided, but she figures, you know what? I don't think I did this. So I, I give her all the credit in the world to go in there because it very well may be that she was kind of being extorted maybe a little bit and she wasn't going to put it up with it. If that's the case, I give her all the credit in the world to go sit in there in court every day, going up, testifying, and everything else. She looks amazing. I almost want to buy her skin products. Yeah. Uh, goop. 
Goop. Uh, yeah, Sheree. Uh, I don't know what, the, you know, I guess a guy, I'm never sure what to make any of that stuff. Um, uh, Rockford Fishing. Hey, late tuning in. Well, good to see you anyway, Fishing. What's been up with you? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Kristen messed up if he was that injured and she put it and she just left him there. Well, that's enough. Kristen, that's a rather great point. It certainly could then lead us to believe that she thought she caused that and wanted to get away before anybody realized it was Gwyneth Paltrow. Kristen makes all the sense in the world. It's just that the, the jury obviously decided otherwise. I guess the ski instructor, whoever was there, uh, checked on him, and the, I think the ski instructor testified that the guy said he was fine. Now, why he said he was fine when he had broken ribs, I don't know. And maybe that's all Gwyneth needed to hear. He says he's fine, I'm covered, I'm out. Now, like I said last week, if this was some other celebrity, you'd probably think this would have gone, maybe the wreck still happens and everything, but everything after that might have gone a little differently. As I've brought out, if Keanu Reeves gets in a wreck like this, do you think he's, given what we know about him and, how he's acted all over the years with homeless people, people on airplanes and everything else. Probably not. And you probably have celebrities that you follow that, um, you know, they seem like really good people when they're not on, you know, they do great interviews and known to be very giving and everything else. That is not Gwyneth Paltrow's reputation. I'm not saying she's known as being a, you know, the B word, but, She's not known as being Keanu Reeves either. So, but you make a good point. Messed up if he was that injured and she just left him there. I agree. Obviously, the the um, jury felt otherwise. Uh, let me go back to uh, a few more unfound things. By the way, does anybody have any questions tonight? Uh, and I'm going to be talking about the Q&A episode, uh, so maybe that's fitting. Uh, we have about a half hour to go. I haven't kind of gotten a couple questions tonight, but anything any of you want to talk about doesn't have to be true crime related or missing persons related. Any questions um, about anything that's going on out there that you would like an answer on? Want to get my thinking on it? Just stay away, from, of course, from the controversial topics. Um, as I posted today, the fifth annual Q&A episode is coming out next Friday. Not this Friday, not April 7th, but April 14th. This is something that I've done every April since 2019. And going back, I think this was a Sheree idea. Sheree, maybe you remember that better than I do. But this Q&A episode, I do it annually. And this is just an opportunity for, my, for me to kind of uh, clear the attic out. And what I mean by that is I get a lot of questions uh, about the podcast, about myself, about how we do things here, about what I think on things. And, and most of that is answered in this live show. But as we know, not every unfound listener comes to the live show or listens to it as a podcast for whatever reason. But still, I get a lot of questions, and this is an opportunity to cover all of that. Get it out of the way all at one time in the biggest audience possible. 
And I like to do it, as I've stated many times. I think that when an audience can get to know a host of anything, or even going back to Gwyneth Paltrow, when they can get to know a performer, a musician, a writer really well, and really feel like they know that person, the person, you know, they can see that who the person is on camera is, you know, and friendly and going and funny is actually that way behind the scenes. Um, and get to know that person a little better. I think that's better, best for everybody. And so that's why I do this Q&A episode. And so um, between now and then, I'm going to be going back through all the live shows and making a list of questions. And I'm hoping I get a bunch of, bunch of questions from all of you that can be answered when I start recording it next week. And so I'm asking you, you can send me as many questions as you want. I can't guarantee I'm going to answer all of them. But if you want to send them to unfoundpodcast at gmail.com, just put in the subject line Q&A episode or something like that and just put your questions there. And uh, it's like I said, they don't have to be true crime related or missing persons related. Uh, If they're off that, as long as they are PG rated questions and they aren't too personal, I will answer them. Now, if you send me 100 questions, I don't know how of all 100 I'm going to get to. Can't make any promises. But I will get to some of them, and I'll just have to pick out ones. And if you want to add me a bunch of questions, if you want to put a hierarchy on them, and if you say, if you only can answer five, these are the five, maybe you might want to do that. Because otherwise, I'm just going to pick them out randomly. So for the Q&A episode coming out next Friday, I will start recording it. A week from tomorrow, probably, as I usually do for all the episodes. Um, Unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Ask me about disappearances. Ask me about music. Ask me about Star Trek. Ask me about Florida. Ask me about disc golf. Ask me about, um, you know, anything. And I will give it my best shot. Uh, Glenn, have I ever looked at the Michael Negretti case? The name is familiar, Glenn, but no. Would I say I looked at it? I've probably read the the facts on it, Glenn, but I just can't remember what it is. Being that I know the name, that tells me I probably read something about it more than once. But certainly we have not covered that uh, for an un- unfound episode. Rockford says, I do have a question. Any updates on the Cameron Remmer case? As a relatively new listener, I tried to take in one old episode along with a new episode of the week. The what, Remmer one really got to me. Well, you must have put, uh, given that I remember the Remmer episode very well, Rockford, you must have put a lot of time in front of some speakers to listen to a new episode and the Remmer episode, because I think the Remmer episode sets the record for the longest single episode ever. And really, it's because I interviewed his mother, and then I talked about all the work that I did during the course of 2019. And going back and talking to people and just seeing if they're saying now what they said back at the time. But no, there have been no updates. Despite, you know, what's it been, three years ago now? Um, Some person in, in San Francisco took a picture of a guy, and this person thought it was... Uh, Cameron Remmer. And I talked about it on this very live show. I think I even talked about it uh, on the update episode at the time. 
that I just don't believe it's Cameron. And here we are three years later and nobody has any answers. Still don't know what came of that. All I know is Cameron is still missing. Now, why did I say that? Not to be negative. But the main reason, first of all, I didn't think the guy looked so much like Cameron anyway. Not saying it couldn't have been him. It's the right city. But we have to remember that Cameron went missing in 2013. And I think that picture was taken, maybe it's only been two years now. It's It was either April of 2020 or April 2021. So this would have been either seven or eight years after Cameron went missing. You're not going to expect him to look like he did in 2013 and 2020, 2021, especially if he's been homeless or been living on the streets and doing whatever. That's why I didn't think it was Cameron. And to be honest, and I think I talked about this at the time, the person who actually took the picture messaged me and criticized me for um, not believing it was Cameron. You know, um, I covered his disappearance. I think I get uh, in on whether I, you know, given my understanding of disappearances, but why does this person care what I think? You're the person that's there. Go find him and prove me wrong. And then I will come to this microphone and say, you know what, guys and ladies, I was wrong. It was Cameron. It's a miracle. Um, and I couldn't be happier. I'm glad I was wrong. You know, my attitude toward these things should not affect the work you say you're going to do on it. So, but as we as we know, I'm still I'm still right a couple of years later. I don't like being right, but I also have to be honest with all of you and I have to be honest with myself. So there are no updates uh, on that, Rockford. Um, None. Uh, I haven't talked to his mother recently, but um, you know it's very sad. I still believe uh, that there is a foul play angle to on it, just because of the the way the two body, bodyguards, two security guards acted when we reached out to them back then in 2019. Sheree reached out to one of them. I reached out to the other. The one that I reached out to uh, responded very rudely and ended up sending uh, Cameron's mother a message telling her that I'm crazy. No, not suspicious at all. Um, as I think you know, I'm a former San Francisco resident. I went up to the Fairmont for drinks. On more than one occasion. That's where it happened. That's where it happened. Fishing says, starting my own business and I'm busy trying to figure it all out. Well, Fishing, you got to tell us what your business is. And why don't you give a plug for your business in the chat while you're at it? Sheree, one of the cases that Unfound did the most work on Rockford many, many hours, weeks, and months. Totally true. Sheree was an integral part of that. Glenn, uh, 1999 from UCLA, 18 years old. Glenn McGregor. Okay. Uh, Kathy, Rockford, my parents lived in the Bay Area. Okay, Kristen, I'll ask you the same question I always ask you. Did you get the DNA results back of the gentleman who went missing and his truck was found? Ronald McNutt? Nope. I think the, the official answer we're on right now, Kristen, is that 
the fire damaged the bones so much that they cannot get any DNA from the bones. That is where we are, and that's where we've been for a while. Great question. In fact, I should probably put that in the update episode, but that's where we are. Thank you for bringing it up. It's, it's yeah, that's where we are. As far as I know, uh, I, I'm friends with his daughter, who was the uh, guest. Uh, or was this his sister? Daughter? Sister? Uh, I'm friends with her on Facebook. And she has not told me anything uh, to contradict that. But uh, the name is Ronald McNutt there, uh, Kristen. Rockford says, Glenn, it's a fascinating case. The Gretty, I think it lacks coverage due to lack of facts like Jolkowski. I did hear one podcast host had have one original take on it in all of my research. Michael Negretti. I'll have to 18-year-old UCLA rings a bell. I discovered Unfound because I was looking at the Negretti case and someone wrote it was perplexing as the Jason Drakowski case. That led me to Unfound. Yeah, Jason Drakowski's disappearance. That was episode number two. Uh, That was disappearance number two. And we are now at like 290. Yeah, seems like yesterday. And I did revisit that episode too, Glenn, if uh, uh, was it last year? Something like that. Rockford, yep, Kathy, too ritzy for me to stand for sure. Just drinks. <laughs> uh, Rockford, uh, the common man. Uh, we will look into it, Glenn. Uh, yeah, Michael, you know, it's ringing a bell. Michael Grady, did I at some point? I have to tell you, Glenn, that I, by I myself, some years ago, might have even been before I moved into this condo. So that would have been 2019. I reached out to a family in LA. Young man went missing. He was seen on video, very much like Kyle Fleischman. You know, it was in downtown LA or somewhere like that, and he went missing. And they got back to me and said that they weren't interested. Is that is that Michael Negretti? Once again, I, I apologize. I should, just so many disappearances bouncing around up there. Does that sound like it, Glenn? In LA, UCLA, you know, I'm gonna have to look. I, I'm sure they have it in my notes. Um, Rockford, yes, the research was excellent. Yes, it was a very long episode, but I was enthralled. Rockford, I wish we had the time on camera members. I wish we had the time to do that on everyone. And, you know, and it's weird that it's weird just how I picked that one to do that on. And um, I th- Rockford, if you really want to know, the reason that I think I decided to do that and work on that behind the scenes for that year was simply for the fact that Cameron stopped calling and texting at the very second that he got kicked out of the Fairmont if that's what happened about the same time that they were kicking him out of there is when his phone, he stopped texting, stopped receiving messages. I think it was on that alone that said, you know what? I think this is something that deserves to be looked into more. I think if you really want, if you want to know how that got started, uh, that's it. John Lorden covered Negretti. Okay. Rockford, Negretti has a brother has made some comments about the case online. They were cryptic, but gave the impression these suspected drugs. Okay. 
I don't think that was him. There was no video. Rockford. Yep, you got it, Ed. Negretti was a UCLA student, disappeared from the dorms. You hear about the blonde stranger and odd family connection. Then the dogs tracked him to a near bus station. He sure it's that's it. See, the one I thought was, you know, so Glenn is saying there was no video. I thought that the one I'm thinking about had video. Um, it, I will, after we're done tonight, I will go look in my notes and see if it was actually Michael Negretti. All I can tell you, if it was Michael Negretti, his family said they weren't interested. Um, but I'm thinking it wasn't, I'm thinking it was somebody else, but I'll find out. Okay. Uh, moving on. We got about 15 minutes to go. Uh, and I got one more news story to cover. I had an excellent meeting with Eric and Cherie this weekend. Uh, went about two hours, over two hours on Zoom. Covered a lot of different topics. Um, I'm having these two, these meetings with these two every month. This was, I think, our third one. Third one? Fourth one? Third or fourth. And this is something new. Uh, this is something that I've never done before, but I decided for 2023 that I wanted to do this. And um, we cover a lot of different topics, and I take their opinions deep to the heart. In fact, I take all of um, the assistants' opinions and things deeply to heart. And if you're wondering, you have all these assistants. You know, every assistant does something different. And I think the reason it's for Shuri and Eric is because, at least for Eric, um, I've gotten to know him really well. Uh, he went; to, we went to the same school, although I graduated before he even started there. And we're both from Pennsylvania. I've met him in, in person a few times, and so we have a lot of we have very similar backgrounds uh, with our education and everything. Even though he's a he has a doctorate, I of course do not. And then with Cherie, of course, Cherie has been around for a long time. It's going to be five years this summer. And, um, you know, what I like about Cherie is that uh, she is not a yes person. And I really appreciate that because, you know, um, when you're doing something like this, you know, you do have people that want to help. You really, really do. You have people that want to help. They want to assist. And some of them have good intentions. Some of them have bad intentions. Some of them simply because they just want to see what goes on behind the scenes. And, so, and But other people are really you know, trying to make a difference. But also some people, they want to get in there and they so badly want to be a part you know, of the group, you know, you know, close to the host or whatever else, that they'll just go along with whatever the host says. And I do not like assistance like that. And uh, so it's good to have Shri. Of course, Eric's the same way, but that's the first thing I think of uh, when I think of uh, Shri. And all the other people, it's just, you know, you know, I have quite a few assistants. You know, it's hard to have a big meeting, but um, – these are just two people, but the, you know, there, I have a new uh, person who's doing some marketing marketing and I have talks with her. Of course, I have a, a lot of talks with Emily. If she's still listening tonight, doing her workout, you know, she has a lot to say. Uh, and I, I can honestly say that I have never 
and don't have any assistants who are yes people. That is the last thing I want. And I hope that tells all of you something about me. That doesn't mean I agree with them. <laughs> you know, and that doesn't mean that I'm going to go along with what they say or, or that. But I do like to foster uh, an environment of truth. And people get to say what they think and know that they aren't going to be penalized or criticized or anything for that. Yes, they may get turned down. And I may make a different decision on whatever. But they know that there's no fear in disagreeing with me. And they know that's not going to put them on their outs. I'm not going to hold it against them or anything else. That's the kind of person I am, if you're wondering. Uh, on Texas time, I mean, thank you so much for the hard work you're doing in order to shine a light on missing persons cases. God bless you and everyone involved in this effort. Uh, what can I say on Texas time? You're very generous. I, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you for the generous contribution through Super Chat tonight. And you're very welcome, Sheree. Uh, Sheree, you are a jewel. Look at you, Sheree Jewel. Rockford, uh, once again on Texas time, thank you. I'm glad that you did not take uh, getting the, <laughs> the, uh, the time zone thing at the wrong. You know, I'm glad that did not cause any problems for you tonight. Thank you. Uh, you're, you're very, very generous. Um, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, Rockford, mine too, Glenn. Uh, would love to dig into that with knowledgeable folks like the group we have assembled here. Okay, with Michael Negretti. Uh, Shuri, wow, Texas time, thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, once again on Texas time, thank you very much. Thank you. You're very generous. Um. One more thing. I, I got to read this being that I had posted uh, it in the title. Did you hear about, and this is a twinkle. Uh, if you're still in here, twinkle, I know this doesn't thrill you too much, but the Kelsey brothers, of course, the football players could have a passionate Kansas city chiefs fan on their popular podcast, but he's also wanted for a bank robbery on Friday afternoon, Jason and Travis Kelsey this past Friday invited chiefs, super fan chiefs, on their new heights podcast chiefsaholics i don't know where you are but my brother and i would love to have you on my show to tell your story he uh jason kelsey tweeted we will go wherever and disclose nothing for the sake of journalism chiefsaholic whose real name is xavier babooter is currently wanted on a one million dollar warrant the tulsa county district attorney's office said babooter removed his ankle monitor tisk tisk and skipped a court hearing Monday morning. He was charged with removing an electronic monitoring device, and a warrant has now uh, been issued for Booter's arrest. If found, he will be held on a $1 million bond. Uh, on Texas time, you're getting out of here. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for showing up tonight, and thank you for your generous contribution to Unbound's efforts. Thank you so much. I hope you have a nice night. Thank you. MT says, I think it's great you have such an awesome team. Given the difficult subject of your podcast, it definitely shows that you and your team work well together and really care about everyone involved. MT, here's one thing I can tell you for sure. Uh, I would never expect my assistants to just blindly follow what I say. Unlike what has gone on over the last 36 hours that I said I was not going to talk about tonight, um, I do not want blind minion followers yes men everything that just 
Now, as long as they understand I'm the one that eventually gets to make the decision because this is what I started and I have a vision and everything else. But um, they got something to say. They can say it and they should never follow me blindly. And if they think that I'm doing something wrong, they should say so and have the courage to do it. And I expect it. Getting back to the article. Um, the new, this new legal trouble comes after he was arrested and charged in a December bank robbery in Tulsa County, Oklahoma, which while allegedly on his way to a Chiefs game in Houston, he was charged with robbery with a dangerous weapon and assault while masked or disguised. Immediately following his arrest, he told the Tulsa County court he was homeless and couldn't afford to pay for an attorney to represent him in court, even though he couldn't afford to go all to all of the Kansas City Chiefs games. Maybe he was doing that with the stolen money. Can't use stolen money to pay for a lawyer? Well, Babooter doesn't seem to have a permanent address, hasn't for years. While Chiefs fans love the guy in the Grey Wolf costume, complete with mask, uh, Chiefs shirt and shorts, no one seemed to know Chiefs Aholic real, real identity. Many fans Fox 4, Fox 4 spoke to, tailgated with Chiefs Aholic, never saw him out of costume or his mask. Chiefs Aholic was such a constant at both home and away games. Why does this keep doing this? Fans became concerned when Babooter didn't show up in Houston for the Chiefs-Texan game on December 18th, 2022, as he told other fans he planned to do. Babudar lived his Chiefs-aholic persona in the limelight, but it wasn't until several days after the Chiefs game in Houston the fans discovered why Babooter missed the kickoff. Babooter didn't make it because he had already been in Oklahoma jail for two days. Police arrested Babooter December 16th, 2022, outside of a Tulsa. Tulsa Teachers Credit Union in suburban Tulsa. Witnesses told officers the suspect pointed a gun at an employee's chest and told the employee to open the vault, demanding the $100 bills inside. The arrest report says the gunman told the employee if they did not open the 100s, he would put a bullet in the employee's head. This is big trouble for him. <clears throat> According to the report, the suspect later identified as Babooter, stuffed a large amount of cash into a bag, and left the bank. A charging document accuses Babooter of wearing a paintball mask and using a CO2 pistol to threaten two employees with a firearm during the crime. So it wasn't a real real gun with real bullets. Uh, it also says Babodar left the credit union on a bicycle. Officers arrested him in a neighborhood less than a mile from the credit union. What a disaster. The arrest report shows Babodar had a backpack with him at the time of his arrest. Officers found a paintball mask, ski goggles, gloves, green jacket, green sweatpants, black shoes, a black CO2 pistol, and a bag of a large amount of cash. Officer reported Babooter refused to cooperate during his arrest. He would not provide officers with his name or any other information about himself. But then he escaped. Um, a day later, the case manager found, but a case manager received an alert that the monitor strap was tampered with and had possibly been removed on March 25th, around 8.30 p.m. A day later, the case manager found the electric monitor in a wooded area in Tulsa. The affidavit shows the strap had been cut. Babooter was not in the area of the electronic monitor and it's not being located. And I have um, just wondered if a, if a Chiefs fan would turn him in. If they found out who he was and they know they're a big Chiefs fan, he's a big Chiefs fan. Would a Kansas City Chiefs fan turn this huge mascot guy in? And I, even I can see him. I'm not a Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs fan. I've certainly watched some games and I remember him. I remember him being on camera. That's the guy who's now on the run from the law. And I guess 
it sounds to me like he was financing his uh, NFL game attendance by robbing banks. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? What a story. Uh, or any of you, I know that Twinkle, uh, maybe she's uh, tuned out for tonight. She is a Chiefs fan, and I know that – who else? Uh, there's a um, father of Jesse Ross. You should know that Jesse Ross, of course, they're from that area. Jesse Ross, uh, missing young man Jesse Ross. He was a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan too. And so when I think about you know this, I, I, do, I, I, I can't help but think about Jesse Ross. So um, we'll see if he gets caught. And like like I said, I wonder if a Chiefs fan were to figure out it was him somewhere, like somewhere it ran into him, whatever. Would the Chiefs fan turn him in or let him go? That's a funny thing to ponder. Um, uh, Marcus, have you had the opportunity to talk to Kristen Montefiore's parents? I've never talked to her parents. Uh, Marcus, uh, when we did that episode, it's been a while now. Uh, of course, that guy who got to know her family um very well was the guest um i really don't remember having any contact with them maybe you're asking me that because we know that this body was found there in that area i don't know if that was ever resolved marcus i'll have to go and check that that was something i talked about some months ago there was some abandoned building and remains were found in it so that puts it on the list of things to do. Thank you, Marcus. All right, fishing, you're out. See ya. See ya. Good. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Mark says, I'm sure an Eagles fan would turn him in. Mark, look at you. Look at you, Mark. Funny Rockford. I was going to say something horrible about Chiefs fans, but now that you mentioned the listener and Jesse's dad, I can't bring myself to do it. That's a hard thing for a Raiders fan to resist. Uh, I appreciate your self-control, Rockford. Okay, let's get to this Friday. Interesting episode this this Friday. For the first time since very, 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 very early on in Unfound's existence, Unfound is covering a disappearance that is not in the United States or Canada. How about that? Uh, the one that is the exception to it to this point was Ben Padilla, the guy who got on a Boeing 727. Neither he nor the jet and the other guys he was w- who were with him were ever seen again. Not sure what happened. Uh, of course, Tim Wright was the guest way back then, and Tim put out the idea that they hijacked the plane and flew it somewhere else, and it was used for illegal activities. I'm not sure. But this Friday, Unfound is taking everybody – to New Zealand. Yes. Yep. If we're covering one outside the United States of Canada, no, it's not Mexico. It's not, uh, it's not Japan or it's not England or Ireland. And there are a couple of disappearances in Ireland that I would certainly like to cover one day. Emily was able to track down the sister of Athel Turner. Right away, even when you say the first name, you know this is something that's going outside the United States. His first name is Athel, A-T-H-O-L, last name Turner, T-U-R-N-E-R. He disappeared from Nelson, New Zealand on July, 20, uh, July of 2017. 
His sister, Tanya Kearns, is the guest. And, of course, she has a spectacular New Zealand accent. It is spectacular. Great interview. Such a, such a sweet New Zealander. And I, yeah, I don't have much compared to, but she seems sweet to me. Um, and we did it over Zoom. So just like with Kent Landry, you will get to see Tanya as well. And unfortunately for Athel, he um, had some issues in his life. Uh, got into drugs and uh, some crimes and things. But what sticks out about this disappearance is that Tanya coincidentally ran into him at the hospital. She was going in, he was coming out. And he had some health issues. And they talked about getting together later that day. But when she texted him later... He said, you know, I can't do it. I'm here with some of my mates. You know, uh, of course, in the United States would say friends or buddies. He said mates, and so I'm not going to be able to do that. And he was never heard from again. You can, if you Google this, of course, this is not on NamUs. This is not on the Charlie Project for obvious reasons. But if you Google Athel Turner's name, you will find articles about his disappearance out of New Zealand. So that's where we're going. New Zealand. Uh, and you can give all the credit to Emily. Emily said, you know what? I think we need to try to cover some disappearances outside of the United States. And there you go. So uh, thank you, Emily. That'll be this Friday. And that is all I have for tonight. Rockford says, Marcus, my daily commute was walking within a block or two of Anuma's apartment and then passed. Oh, for Kristen Mata Ferry. Okay. New Zealand sounds exciting. Marty says, Rockford, home of the flight of the Concords. Kathy Rockford, you might be quite familiar with San Francisco. Cherie, high five. And certainly high five them. Rockford, my old stomping grounds, Kathy. I lived in the tender knob. All these San Francisco people. Look at this. Okay, that's all I got. Uh, great show tonight. Thank you all for, uh, you know, making the time uh, on Texas time. Thank you for the contribution. I cannot thank you enough. Kristen Rose, you are amazing. Thank you so much, and you will see me, uh, if you want to take part in the YouTube episode, you will see me Friday for the episode, or you can just hear, hear me. That's fine, too. Once again, give it a thumbs up. Consider contributing through Patreon or YouTube. Thank you so much. Keep your head on swivels out there, people. Good night.